What was that you were playing? Shh, we're live. See, now I'm thinking, maybe it means you're the evil man, and I'm the righteous man. And Mr. Nine Millimeter here, he's the shepherd protecting my righteous ass in the valley. Maybe it means, or it could mean. to our daily gun show coming to you live every weeknight at midnight eastern and we talk about guns for about an hour so today we're doing a very controversial topic and going off the rails a little bit because normally on mondays we talk about behind the scenes and how to use social media and uh people might be uh i don't know getting a little sick of that because we've been talking about it a lot for good reason people have been getting jerked around but uh I figured do something different today and talk about nine millimeter. So kind of butchered the beginning there, but that's what you get for nothing because a lot of you aren't paying nothing for this. So we got people joining us. I'm locked on Dano for some reason. We've got uh, Cycle Camp jumping in from Connecticut. Thanks for jumping in. Hey there, and I apologize for all my senators. I had my thing turned up really loud. Then we got Dano jumping in from Illinois. Just call me Mr. Nine Millimeter. Here we go. And then we got uh, Ted jumping in from Nevada. Thanks for joining. Good evening to everyone. I'm down here in Arizona. So we got links out to a couple other people over on the Gun Channel side. And what that means is we are, uh, are broadcasting on YouTube. And we are simulcasting over on Gun Channel Stock. It is a community we built five years ago now. And uh, a platform where people get together and chat about guns, posts, stuff like this, uh, or all kinds of different kinds of content, programming, photographs, videos, whatever. So it's a way we can collaborate on projects and keep the word out or get the word out on stuff that's going on that matters. But tonight we're taking a break from anything that matters, I guess, and I figured uh, uh, we'd talk about nine millimeters. So I want to start the show out with this. What would happen if there was no nine millimeter? What would the world be like? Um, Anybody want to take take a stab at what we would would it be like? Sure, sure. I got. We would all spend more time perfecting other types of ammo, like uh, forty five and uh, whatnot, in our in our firearms instead of wasting our time with nine millimeter. It would be a Tokarev world. Oh, you think nine by twenty-five would be? That's what Tokarev is, right? Yep. Maybe Miss Makarov. Oh, not Makarov. Tokarev. I know. Just to differentiate it, nine by eighteen is the shorter one, so that's Makarov, the smaller gun. Nine by, what'd you say? Nine by twenty. Twenty or twenty-five. 20. Yeah. yeah, twenty-five. I think. Almost neck down. That's a little. That's a little guy. Yeah, yeah. Much larger right uh, pistols. That's what I say. So that's how I remember the two. Is twenty five is the Tokarev. It's the bigger gun. My eighteen is smaller than nine millimeter. It's a smaller gun. But anyway, you, yeah, you would say that the Russian calibers would win. 
Four yeah. Brownings. So meaning 380. 380. That's it's a brown cartridge. So it's going to feed well. It's also a slightly longer cartridge. And so it had it can get velocity if that's what you want. So it's it's the perfect round. It's going to feed well. It can go fast if you want it to. You can download it if you want it to. It'll do anything. You don't think 357 is a better round? For what and where? What are you talking about? Revolver? Yeah, no, revolver. For self-defense. Self but in a pistol, it makes a huge frame. You know, Huge gun. Well, nine millimeters are pretty short range item, isn't it? I mean, well, gunfights are short range usually. Yeah, and and a bottle of cartridge is always going to have less inherently feeding issues than a straight wall cartridge. Because mm, you're due saying do the injection because the going in it would think it'd be easier. That that's what I mean. It, the toke the, the bottleneck cartridge would go in easier. But it might have trouble injecting because it's got issues with expansions and necks and blah blah blah. Metal. Um I, I guess not as compared to a three eighty. I, I guess if you're gonna compare to a rim cartridge, I guess I would agree because there's less to grab there compared to a three fifty seven. So where'd this nine millimeter come from? Like nineteen oh eight or some stupid beer? And then a bunch of Nazis made it and used it in the Paravella or the, uh, what is that thing called? Actually, it existed decades, for war, right? decades before there was anything to be known as the Nazis. Nazis were born, right? Born out of people, and those people invented the 9mm. That's all I'm well, saying. People also invented the 357 Magnum, but we don't lump them all together. Well, those are good people, though. Anyway, so nine mil back in Germany. What is it? The P thirty eight was the first nine. It was made for the gun, right? It was made for that uh, broomstick. No, why can't I remember what the hell? The broomstick Mauser originally came with a different cartridge. No, it was I'm saying the wrong gun. It's the Nazi gun or whatever. The good thing of the Luger gun, and then there's the broomstick Mauser. The Luger, I think, is what I'm thinking of. Isn't that what it was invented for? Well, that's what it's typically called. That's its alias, right? And it was, it was, it was, it was designed in Germany in 1902. But I thought originally it was the seven years before the First World War. Okay, so it probably caused the First World War. Didn't didn't the guy get shot with a nine millimeter? No, that was a 380. He got shot with uh, a Browning's gun. You guys shot with a Browning, yeah. A Fabrique National version of a, of a Browning. Yep. But okay, so I'm just trying to put a time frame on it. So basically, the first for the First World War, and 9mm would never happen. So we'd be left with the Browning calibers, 380 and 25, I guess. And then 45 wasn't around until 1911. So, 08 or something. So there was other. The revolver calibers like Ted Keith. Elmer Keith's uh, contributions. Elmer Keith, we're talking pre World War One. That dude oh, was like sorry. a minutes ago. He's he's like contemporary, yeah. But but remember the nine millimeter Luger, they were looking for a compact round that was lethal at only fifty meters. In Germany, so at the time. 100, 150 feet. That's all they were looking at. 
well, you know, 160 feet, whatever, like just you got to round off all just all those little parts of a yard that don't count. So trench gun type of thing, or before this was before the trench warfare was a thing, right? Um, no, I, I think you're right. I think it was just for up close and personal, uh, you know, pistol stuff. Yeah, World War One didn't start till 1914, 30 years before the Nazis. So the Nazi was 30 years old being born when the, when the nine millimeter was being born. I don't know why that's such a reach for people. Born, it was made by the people who made Nazis. So. But it was not made by the Nazis. Well, let's put it this way: nine millimeter existed before the Nazis. You all agree. So I'm going to start saying the nine millimeter created the Nazis. How about that? So I, I came in a little late. I apologize. Do you want to know the first pistol specifically designed to fire the nine millimeter, or the first pistol the nine millimeter went in? Oh, I guess I was just trying to put a time frame on it so we knew when to delete it from the timeline. Because what we're talking about is a theoretical world without a nine millimeter. At least okay. that's because yeah, the first uh, gun that the nine millimeter went in was the Luger, and the first gun designed specifically for it was the high power. That's what Google's saying, at least. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah, and if Bob was here, he's not here to rub that in. That's a thing. But that was because Browning had, that's why he died over there, because they made him do that. There's Bob, probably. And actually, the, 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 uh, the, uh, that round got presented to the British, the British Small Arms Committee. And it also got submitted to the to the Americans, so it's not really a it's not really a German round when you get right down to it. Uh, the other gun you might have been thinking about, G. Webbs, was the uh, Walther Model Six of 1915. Yeah, I was definitely thinking the Walther because basically the Walther story is Walther was making rifles, finding his business making rifles. He successfully sends his kids off to college. And his one son came back from college and said, hey, Pop, we should make a semi-auto gun. Like, all right, let's roll up our sleeves and do it. And together they made the first Walther. The rest is history. And, and, and the, big dog, the big dog pistol cartridge back then was a 32. Right, because remember, we're talking Europeans. People are just yeah. sound like, you know. Six six five or something like that. Five five six six five. I don't remember which one. It was. Which explains why they had sixteen shot revolvers carrying calibers like that. Yeah. I don't know if I've ever seen. Let's get crazy here. Have you guys ever seen any kind of uh, in depth kind of research where they would have talked about? And I've seen this kind of stuff for the forty five, the development of the forty five, right? The reasons why, but I've never seen like, was it that people were using those little puny calibers and or was it this that by brandishing or by having possession of a firearm was enough to scare people off at the time because it was uh i mean was it the need for firepower or there wasn't the need for firepower i guess is what i'm saying is that why they could they didn't really develop the big stuff until later to my well, not, to my that's a that's a huge distance when you get right down to it well, they yeah. did have big stuff. It's just not in a semi-auto loading. They had it in revolvers. Wasn't the nine originally an execution firearm? Probably. It sounds like the kind of. They had forty-fours and thirty thirty-eights in revolvers long before the auto yeah. loader. No, I think I think that was a lot of uh, a lot of police uh, departments. And um, 
you know, like MPs and stuff in the military, you know, they, they, you know, give a guy a gun that's good at a, at a moderate distance. But that would still end up stopping somebody if it, if it, if they hit them right though, you know, even back then, I mean, the, the problem back then is that it, it, the nine millimeter ammo back then was crap. Oh yeah. You know, I mean, I mean, the reason the nine millimeter works today is because they they put so much effort into redesigning a projectile to be more effective. Well, the powder has gotten so much better. Let me throw a question out there. Uh, do you think it's possible that, uh, that 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 they kept it that way intentionally so that if somebody had a negligent discharge, it would be less likely to travel some distance and thus hit an innocent person versus if it went you know a couple hundred yards and fell to the ground. Uh, maybe I'm misunderstanding the question. Do you mean that they were purposely carrying around puny car calibers and low charges yes. because they were worried about collateral damage? Yeah, I said. What do you think about the idea of that? Well, I mean, the big the big dog in the uh, in the police department before that was the 38 special, right? Which is a fairly you know when you get right down to it, it's a fairly weak round. Yeah. Well, yeah. well I mean, I'm assuming they were still carrying re revolvers in the police force. Yeah. I mean, I have uh, advertisements from 1911 out of newspapers specifically to police officers to buy revolvers. Like I think I showed uh, G-Webs those. I'm uh, confused on the caliber situation because, I mean, in a war situation or whatnot, our firearms use 22 as a caliber. We have in World War One, it was bought a lot with like 22 long rifle. Uh, you know, and today we use uh, two, two, three. You know, uh, so uh, I don't know. Uh, I don't, you're getting twenty-two long rifle in wartime, but that was only for training guns, right? I think I it, it's really about mass. You're talking thirty-out sixes in in uh, World War One. I. I mean, you're talking nineteen oh three uh, Springfields and stuff. Uh, you know, right? Yeah. But I'm saying. You're saying the caliber or having a, uh, a, you know, the caliber as a bigger caliber being more devastating. Yet we we use uh, the M16 with the 223, which is really only a 22 caliber. Well, because we're talking about an incomplete formula. I mean, uh, caliber is one aspect, but it's also total mass and the velocity of that mass. Oh, absolutely, I agree. I mean, that's, I, I, was also, just, I was only confused because only caliber was mentioned to it. And that's why I was asking. And but you're also taking what you're saying. Yeah. And in regards to why we switched calibers for wars, the, the type of the way in which wars were fought drastically changed. Yes. You know? Along with the technology that made bullets and the powders what they are today. Yeah. I mean, the, the whole reason they went from from uh, fixed machine gun positions to uh, walk and spray was because of the change from trench, you know, getting away from trench warfare because, you know, as soon as they had the effective tank, trench warfare was gone. That was the end of that shit. Oh. Well, walking fire was only performed in World War One, as it was a failed idea from the start. Well, I know that pistol production and the concept of making stronger, better semi-auto and just better pistols in general is largely credited due to the fact that 
pistols performed better during trench warfare when they did tr uh, raids on the trenches. And so there was this big push for having a, because a big old rifle was difficult to wield when they were invading trenches. And a lot of soldiers, they realized, would do better off with a more powerful handgun. And that's Very where true. a lot of that production came in. It's a confined space, uh, no different than uh, going inside a house or an apartment or something like that, going in those trenches. Well, that's why they cheated and they used shotguns. Which uh, the Germans called us, uh, what, what did they say? It, we, we were barbaric? Yeah, we were. But we're barbaric for using shotguns. So, and know, yet hey. we were both lobbing gas artillery shells at each other. And nobody called that yeah. barbaric. Yeah, yeah, no, but, but it was it was it was the short barrel shotguns that offended them. <laughs> yeah, no, right. not, not the poison gas. <laughs> In order to play host here, uh, where we started out with the origins of the nine, in order to remove it from the timeline. So coming back to modern days, would we have gone smaller? The things like the small clocks and things being in three eighty. Or would we have just gone full 1911-45, you know, small guns with big 45s in them? Would it have gone 40, 10? I think I think the intermediate size cartridge. I, I sort of agree with Dano. I I think things like the Tokarev and the Makarov probably would have been more, even more popular if there had never been a thing called the nine millimeter. Especially the Tokarev. I mean, that that's a hell of a round. I I love that thing. And another one I'll throw in there is it would have pushed for, for the development, or I should not the development, but the acceptance of what I'll call the rimless 38. When I was in the military, I was a medic, and we carried a 45. And they trained us that the 45 was designed that when you're working on a patient, someone comes up, you knock them back with the 45. You're knocking them away from them. The supposed... Uh, German version of that was supposed to be the nine millimeter, something at a close range that was able to knock somebody out of the way uh, for you to continue performing your duties. Yeah, well, that's a lot of horseshit too, because anybody, you know, that that's the whole bit about stopping power and knockdown power yeah. and all that, and yeah. that's been proved so many times. It's not funny. It's it's, I mean, it's just like a bayonet. A bayonet will go. Why back for you, somebody? A bayonet won't push anybody backwards. Well, I think that the science behind it, obviously, we all know is wrong. But it right. does that to the wording and the phrasing and the military requesting something like that be built. That sounds exactly like the thing to be designed. And that's exactly that the designers, of course, gave us the forty-five and so on with that goal in mind. I think is what. And then they just never corrected the science. Right. I, I think that they just simply misspoke when they said knockdown power. What they actually meant was leth more lethal, instantly lethal. Yeah, single, single, single shot stop. Yes, that's what they meant. Although that's clearly not what they said. I think that if you took the nine millimeter out of the timeline, they would have developed the ten sooner. And instead of getting the nine, they would have rushed to the 10. The FBI would have gotten a hold of it at the same time period. And then we would have still ended up getting the 40 and then 40 would be the new nine. 
you don't think that the terminal ballistics of the 38 uh, would have been turned would have been, would have pushed the development for a 38 rimless cartridge? I'm not sure. Would end up with a 357 Sig. Why? Why? Why go to a 38? Yeah, I was gonna say. If anything, I think the 357 Sig. The, well, the well either one of those. They're both based off the same basic. Um, but the problem is, is they're bottleneck cartridges. Manufacturers. But if you went with a straight wall 38 and just changed the type of rim on the cartridge, that would work in a semi-auto. You just had to get the acceptance of it. I wonder. I wonder if it would have made the 40 more popular. Exactly. No, I, and I agree with that. I just think that, like, the, I, my my vote. The reason I think the 357 Sig would have had issues is because manufacturers classically had hated bottleneck cartridges for handguns. And I think that you're right. They probably would have tried to do some straight wall 38, but that would have been found to have been weaker potentially than carrying a 38 special in a revolver, given the manufacturing capabilities at the time and like the fear of frames on semi-autos. And I think that would have pushed the development of the 10 sooner which of course would have led to them falling back to milking the 10 back to the 40. Either a 10 sooner or some variation of the 357 loading sooner. All right. Well, that's, that's essentially what the 10 is. And then, and then we'd be shitting all over that one saying it was a horrible round and people shouldn't carry it and they're all, they're all weak women. But that's because they got this 9mm to use as a gold standard. If it was 30, 380, and then up, up to 10 millimeter, maybe just something else in the middle, 45. The 45 auto rim. Well, I'm going to take a moment here to break in, because I ruined it for the flow of the show there anyway. And uh, uh, let's do a bracket that's customary for live chats on gun channels. So we're going to roll up our sleeves and take, and take a look at our bracket tonight. So we're gonna go from left to right and uh, cycle camp. Are uh, you going with nine or 45? Four uh, caliber, which one's better? Ooh. Don't you have to have something compete against nine and something compete against 45 and the way you look at it? midnight range for a bracket and this is what I got. So going with it. we're going with it. I'm gonna go with the nine. Okay, we got one for the bed. Okay, Dano. It's which one I, I I think we everybody should shoot. Is that the question? Which one's better? Oh, better? Oh, the nine. Oh my goodness. There's something wrong with this bracket. Uh dog. <laughs> so assu assuming that I'm taking a real world compatibility like work concerns out of it, I'd rather have the forty five. There we go. Now it's working. Ted? Forty five all the way. Boom, forty five wins. We just we we solved it tonight, but we'll, Brown get, we'll continue talking just to. No, just the only re the only reason I ever got into really carrying nine millimeter and nine millimeter became like my my EDC was due to my job and the fact that everybody had to carry the same caliber. Otherwise, I would I've always picked either ten millimeter or forty five over it, and I picked ten millimeter out over everything when it comes to semi auto. I don't know. I heard really bad things about the 10, about it not being fully developed properly. But then again, 
I'm not an expert, so I don't. Well, know. come on. Are we? We're gonna sit around. So now we're gonna put nine millimeter back into this. We're gonna put two timelines down. One, sad timeline that has nine millimeter in it, and then another timeline, our alternative timeline that we're coming up with tonight with no nine millimeter. So, uh, I I tend to agree with Dano. I I think they would have worked on the on the thirty eight or slash three fifty seven and made that into a rimless cartridge. Yes. Because you get the advantage of the 357's power, they're they're roughly the same bullet size. I think somebody, uh, a couple of two or three different people said they were almost the same size, like you know, 0.355 or something like that. Or somebody said they use a 357. Al Glider or Gilder said they use 38 short. I never seen a 38 short. 38 special, 38 super, 357, and nine all use a 357 size bullet. Yep. And I think you, you, that would have been a good compromise between a, a uh, you know, t like Dano said, not using a neck cartridge. You know, to get you a straight wall cartridge with, with a little bit more gas to it. So I think 357 is awesome. Personally, I think if, if you're going to have that's why you, know, you only gave me the choice between 9 and 45. But if you put 357 in there, I think the 357 is the way I would have gone. That, that's a hell of a round. Yeah, it is. Yep. But I but I, I I think that if if nine millimeter hadn't been around, they would have either the thirty the three eighty would have been around a lot longer, or they would have they would have got to the they would have got to a rimless uh thirty eight special slash three fifty seven and that's where they would have stayed. Is it possible? Let's is it possible? I mean, okay, so that's a valid going with like the, the paralleling what actually happened, how we went to autos. Is it possible that without the nine, without that like vanilla gold standard right in the middle, that uh, everything would have been too big or too little? And instead of developing something in the middle, uh, revolvers would have taken over more? Or do you think just the basic functions of a pistol versus a revolver would have made the caliber happen because the pistol's a better machine. I think the, 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 the issue of having the advantage of capacity was so obvious that once they worked out the mechanics, there was no going back, but that took a while to get uh, the acceptance of both the military and the police. But uh, once they understood it, it never, there was no going back. Well, so they go from 38 and then they go to 357. Right, and because there's no nine, no high power, it's just the 45 over there, and they can't squeeze the capacity in for whatever reason. So they develop 357 first. That's what I guess I'm saying. And then all of a sudden, there's stopping power. Right, we all love stopping power. Uh, all of a sudden, there's enough uh, potential in 357 that they don't need the magazine capacity, and we never get down that that theory of high mag capacity. That's fine. You know how many you're going to and how many people you're you're going to be attacked by. Now, see, I look at this from the other side because in in the timeline you're giving us, the 45 exists, and if somebody's working from the smaller end of the 38 trying to work their way up, there's going to be somebody else working from the larger end trying to work their way down. And I see it being just as logical that somebody takes a look at the 45 and goes, "Okay, well, capacity is the issue. Let's make the bullet a little bit." a little bit thinner and let's make it a little bit longer 
in the casing to get more power so that we establish getting both more power and more rounds in there. And I would say that you could almost see the 10 millimeter getting designed right alongside the 357 without the mind. Yeah, that's a, that's a good way of looking at it. A different aspect of development. And that is uh, take uh, like the Chiapo Rhino, which is shooting from the bottom of it as a revolver from 357. Okay, would we have been able to make better firearms if 357 was the caliber we were going to use or or 45 better firearms and compensated better if we didn't have the nine millimeter and i was i think that's kind of what i was asking before too it's like if that one i'm trying to figure out where that gap like if you'd removed it you remove the high power and then you remove like the glock and know some of the guns that made the nine what it is then would have never gone from revolvers and then they may have gone from 38s to 357s only and been like well, see, oh seven rounds of 357 and we're done i don't know about that i because the 1911 with the 45 comes into existence and you, you had 32 autos you know you you had you had five what 5.6 millimeter autos you, you had a lot yeah. of little small autos so so i don't think that would have stopped the autos from from keeping on going and, and I, I honestly think they would have had that intermediate stepping stone cartridge to uh you know between the third i mean between the 32 and the and the 45 that's a huge jump yes uh, and well, again even then like you said small semi-autos were already in existence and i think the desire the desire for of military wanting that capacity was so strong that they would have either found a way to make the jump or just something would have had to have given. I don't see them being happy with seven rounds in a revolver. And neither do I. Now, now whether it would be a 357 straight wall or whether it'd be a 10 millimeter, I don't know, but somewhere in the middle there. Is it possible that without the evil nine millimeter round, the world would have just been a more peaceful place? Like the Nazis wouldn't have been created by it, and then there wouldn't have been a World War II, and everybody would have got along, and we would have been on the moon and prospecting Mars for gold? No, because most of the guns that were used in the First World War and the Second World War were were full sized rifles. You know, they were they were full sized battle rifles. They weren't using that little nine millimeter happy horse shit. Do you imagine your logic? If John Browning was never born, the prince in Austria never would have been assassinated and World War I never would have started. That's a good point. I don't think any of that. I think if even looking at like Antifa and stuff today, we have a capacity as humans for violence. So we're gonna we're gonna fight wars and we're gonna use that. No matter what the hell we have, if we're using stones and swords, we kill just as many people. Yeah, maybe, maybe they would have just jumped yeah. right to the Illudium blaster, you know, and that would have been, and half the world would be gone. Well, I mean, if you think about it, the handgun, it was, it was the evolution of the handgun that killed the sword. So if we hadn't 
gotten as far as we did, I don't think we would have stopped killing each other just because we didn't make the nine. I don't think so. I think that if you would, I think it was just the crowds and city life that killed the sword. It's ineffective and it's inappropriate and it got in the way and it wasn't useful. And, you know, I mean, I think it's the. Well, yeah, that's why that's why people in cities carry daggers. That's what I was going to say. People are just going to carry a smaller knife. So if I, I think the, the handgun might have killed the development of rifles a bit, but not swords. That's just me. Well, my, my, I was talking about in context of war, but yeah. Do you think we would have got a more effective 22 round? No, because of rim I, fire. I oh. think we, I, we oh. just recently got a more effective 22 oh, round. Oh, my God. <laughs> Uh, well, look at the forty-four Swiss, right? The Vetterly. That was a that's a forty-four uh, forty-four caliber rimfire. Well, but when you get a small rimfire, you get more opportunity for a gap in the priming compound. When it's a large, oh, yeah. mean, you know, you got more is easy consistency, so it can be a reliable rimfire. But the smallness of it, and it also the small diameter, the twenty-two means that the primer isn't as easy to jam in there. So there's just lack of material to put a primer cap in or gap or whatever slot. Yeah, it's mechanically difficult to do that, yeah. Yeah, that's all I'm saying. So I don't think the 22 would have ever caught on. Now maybe something like the 25 NAA where they take 25, and, no, they take whatever, where they neck something down to 22. Like the, what is it, the TCP, the 9mm. The TCM? TCM, whatever they're called. They take two, two, three cases, which work in a nine millimeter, weirdly, and uh, chop them down and then neck them down to like 22, right? So now you've got a thing that works in a nine millimeter with a subcaliber barrel to shoot 22. Maybe something like that would have worked, but I think those are more for training and, you know, getting time in a trigger more than a effective round down range. Yeah, and to this point, back in the day, you know, if they straight wall cartridge was king back in the day, you know, now now they don't care. Now they make all the neck cartridges they want because of the manufacturing technology is so much better. Didn't they make a rifle that took a shotgun round, uh, the little teeny shotgun round, and forty-five, and go through the barrel at the same time? What now? I, I, are you talking about an over/under survival gun, where it has a smaller? No, this is a today thing that was just uh, came out about three or four years ago. It well, Taurus a... Judge has been doing that for years. Target that Judge. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah, that's a handgun. That's it. That's a piece of crap ever. Have you? Everybody I've ever seen that tested the uh, the shotgun capability with that, it was laughable. You know, after after about fifty feet, you can't hit jack shit with it. Is this yeah, the governor just as poor? Yeah, they're they're more well. All right, so the short barrel, the governor, and the short barrel judge. If you're going to use them in any seriousness, they're meant to be up close and personal, nasty kind of. That's why they were called. That's why they were sold as anti carjacker guns. The idea was you'd be shooting some guy in the face who's trying to get in through your car window. Uh, but, and then the bigger versions like the Raging Judge, that's really more of a novelty. The idea is, look, you can fire all of these calibers in it, kind of like the, uh, the old school Medusa. The Medusa was never meant to be taken as seriously as people 
did. It was just meant to be a cool concept of how many rounds can we make go through one gun. What I was suggesting is without the nine millimeter, would they have perfected that type of thing for warfare so that you had the ability to fire multiple rounds out of the same firearm, uh, a multifaceted firearm in a war situation? I'm not following. In other words, uh, one of the things that they made, like uh, the, your uh, M16 takes a, a NATO round, your nine millimeter stuff that they use, they have like a NATO round. Okay? Yeah. That, so that the the rounds are interchangeable over different militaries. Would they, well, without the nine millimeter, have made something like a, uh, a, a rifle that did multiple, you know, shotgun and uh, uh, rimfire cartridges out of the same thing so that it was a more versatile weapon for more versatile ammos that could be used in a field situation in a wartime situation well I, I kind of take what you said there in two different directions because I feel like no matter what they would have there would have been some form of standardization among militaries like NATO they just would have picked something besides the nine millimeter but in regards to firing multiple calibers through one weapon, there's always been guns designed on some level that have done that through history. I just, I was talking about, you know, them making a heavier development on that side for, uh, uh, you know, the common fire. What would, what would the AR look like without the nine millimeter? Even though the AR was not a 90 millimeter weapon, it would have changed the interchangeability with other uh, NATO rounds, okay? If we didn't have the nine millimeter, it would have changed everything that we had as well, become compatible. Well, so, but yeah, but see what you're talking about isn't about whether or not the round existed. You're just talking about if we had never standardized. We could have standardized with anything. It didn't have to be the nine millimeter. I think you're right. The, what you're talking about, Teddy, is just the concept of standardization would have been with some other gun, or would we have not standardized with NATO? We would have standardized with NATO, but NATO would have not have had the nine millimeter, so it would have changed what we standardized with. Well, yeah, we'd have just picked some other round. Correct. Which means that for our interchangeability, we would have changed the rounds we had. I'm just saying without the nine millimeter, it might have changed a whole lot more things than we think about when you talk about uh, trying to have interchangeability and everything between your, your rounds across different platforms. But like the nine millimeter development doesn't change the five five six development. It doesn't change the three oh eight development. None of, none of that is we would, have, we would have done the same I would think we would have been in the same trajectory with forty five ACP. We would have never just changed five. Right? Yeah. 
just a thought. I mean, they're different tools for different purposes. Well, I think you said I don't think metric garbage being thrown in there and us making us have to cooperate with a bunch of stupid Europeans that maybe we would have been free to develop things, you know, like a bunch of free people and it wouldn't have been a bunch of mines. Like other guns. But like they're saying, we would have just been like, all right, let's all use the 45 and they'd have been like, all right, even though we can barely lift those guns up, we'll use the 45s. So you know, we would have still had to deal with well, keep in mind that Europeans are little people. Tiny, tiny people. Like, well, that's how when they made the movies about, like, uh, well, no, actually, they don't watch us anymore. They can't watch us because of their little laws that say that their information is part of their human rights or whatever. So good luck trying to make the entire Internet change. But anyway, they don't really watch us anymore. Yeah, yeah. Smaller. and they were we were all smaller i was at uh dragon man's uh checking out his museum everybody should go there awesome one of the things he's got is a lot of uniforms he basically has every uniform from world war ii on mannequins there amongst modern stuff as well but they are older stuff when you look at the mannequins uh he even point to say he has to like modify the mannequins because their feet were smaller their heads were smaller they were just smaller humans back then We've been eating a lot of healthy food for gener a couple of generations now. Uh, that also makes me wonder, like, are the Russians still smaller? Because they used to be just as small as the Europeans. Uh, the Russians got big and yeah, quickly. I know are big people. Same as I mean, I mean, the average Russian. I mean, obviously, there are big Russians. There's always been big Russians. I don't mean they're Spetsnaz units. I mean just like regular army. Who's the Google I don't master? Know. Somebody there is a Google master who would be able to tell us that. I never paid attention all the times I was in Russia. I, I, they all seemed about the same as Americans. Some taller, some shorter, but pretty average to what I was used to with normal Americans. I just vaguely remember hearing something about how the average height was like 5'7", where ours was like 5'10". Of course, this is back in the early 80s. So the average height, according to a census that was completed in 2015, the average height is 5'8 and a half. And then... A little kid thrown in the half. And then, in, and then in another part of Russia, because Russia's pretty big, so they... Did a couple different averages the average height is six foot and what is it in america uh, hold on let me google that cool i knew there was a google master somewhere in this crowd it'll be 510 511 and you're right on the money 510 511 yep it's about the same as what you said for russians right well, the I, Russians, the Russians are like, I said, base, five, base, seven. the Russians are basically right below us and right above us. Yeah, and right here, they're five foot eight, but in the, in the good places with the real food, they're, they're like six foot. Yeah, so we're literally right between their, their poor and their wealthy, I guess. Yeah. All right, so we don't spend too much time 
given the communists a bunch of attention and free publicity. Why don't we put this question out there? This is going to be a, a tough one, and I'll understand if people feel the need to leave the chat after I put this out there. But uh, would there still be a clock if there was not a millimeter? Hmm. Yes. There are many Glocks. Now there are, but would there still whatever the transition of events and alignment of stars that needed to take place and the assortment of guns that he had to choose from, would he have developed a Glock? Would he have been like, oh, 45, there's no way to contain this kind of firepower in plastic? Well, you know, in fact, the first Glock might have been a Glock 21. No, that's what I'm saying, though. Maybe if it wasn't, maybe he said, like, oh, this is too big a bullet. I can't contain this firepower. I'm going to forget this whole idea. And then nobody would have even developed it ever. I so, think he was a man looking to make money. And he would have, and he would have, and because he had obviously the drive, he would have used whatever cartridge the army wanted to use that would, and, and in order to sell his gun. I don't remember which one of the many things on Glock I've read had this source in it, but apparently when Glock first started the concept of making his gun, he actually started with a larger caliber. I can't remember what it was, but he actually started with something more powerful than the nine millimeter. And then he worked his way backwards to the nine millimeter to make the platform. So it's possible that he would have stopped at something like the 45. But then the question becomes: Would have the forty-five, would the Glock and forty-five have been able to get through the through the trials due to the fact that the Glock and forty-five isn't as easy to shoot as the nine? It might have failed accuracy trials given the time. You went it down a Glock uh, thirty-eight. Didn't they have a Glock thirty-eight in Europe because they're not allowed to have nine millimeter? Uh, the three eighty. Yeah, 380, that's no. right. I forget what model number it is, but it's one of the missing numbers if you start counting them. No, no, it's if I'm not mistaken, it's it's a model, they still call it a model 19, but it just it's not doesn't come with a R19 barrel. It comes with one for theirs or something. I can't remember exactly. No, it's like a 25 or something. It's one of the ones we don't have. Oh, is it? Okay. It's for the countries like they're saying that you can't have calibers of war. Nine millimeter yeah. means ready for war. Yeah, that's why the three eighty super is so popular in Mexico. That's an example of the type of cartridge I was trying to explain. If I would have thought of that earlier, I would have mentioned it, but as far as if nine was not developed, it would have been something similar to a thirty eight super. Yeah, that's a valid point. All right. What other ways can we examine a world without the nine millimeter influence or whatever? I wonder what it would, if the sub guns would have come around that quickly. Well, I guess because they were using forty fives and and submachine guns before they were using nines. Yeah, but look at how people cry about recoil. Like, would they have been able to handle Uzis? Well, I guess they did make Uzis in forty five. <clears throat> Well, if you look at the grease gun, you get that big giant bolt in there, that mass yeah. that's, that's, that's 
taking any recoil and subduing it. Yeah, that thing is pretty sweet to shoot. I mean, that's about as mild as one can get. Oh, that's actually, you know, it's somebody, a uh, dead horse just put it out there in the chat. This is, this is an interesting thought. If they hadn't developed 9mm and hadn't started relying on 9mm, what would have happened if they had developed something else that had been superior? What have they still lost? Yeah, they would have still lost because, because again, 9mm is a handgun cartridge. You know, Germany didn't depend on the 9mm as a, as a, battle rifle cartridge in World War II. Nobody, nobody was using, I mean, they weren't even using sub, uh, what do you call it, medium caliber cartridges. That's a good point. Later. That's a really good point. I mean, a monkey can throw his poop out of a tree and develop a better caliber than nine millimeter, but yeah. you're right. But you're right. <laughs> the Nazis, uh, doesn't matter because they weren't running around shooting people. It's for, yeah. you know. Uh, I, I, w I was more or less trolling the idea that G keeps saying that the nine millimeter made Nazis. That's all. <laughs> right. Correlation is not. I mean, I assume a lot more people would have died when they were shooting them, uh, trying to shoot them to put them in the in the uh, in the mass graves, you know? Because I'm sure the nine millimeter did a lousy job at that. Or how about this? Since uh, G's going, you're working with the premise that the nine millimeter created Nazis. What if they instead they had created a better caliber and then they'd been better people? That's what I'm saying. If they would have <laughs> a wholesome yeah. caliber, then yeah. they would have been peaceful, loving culture over there. No Nazis would have ever happened. That's like saying the country that developed the nuclear warhead would be the most peaceful, yet they are the ones that actually used it. Yeah, that's and, true. And, and ironically no, enough, we're the most peaceful. Every time it always has to happen. We're just saying without the negative evil influence of the nine millimeters, that possible the Germans might have blossomed into a, a wholesome and loving people. That it the nine millimeters, you know, they could have been the 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 binding part that kept Europe together through turmoil. I, yeah, I mean, the Swiss, you know, they didn't have no freaking nine millimeters, and they were just. They just tried to stay out of everything and mind their own business. Yeah. They just they wanted to make their chocolate. Because my thermonuclear weapon example holds no water. Well, well no. I'm going to put, I'm gonna put like it like that. One way or the other. We're just saying, like, not just like every time somebody develops a caliber, it's going to be evil. Just the 9mm happened to be in it. Maybe it had influence on the Germans. All right. Well, without the nine millimeter, would there be as many people shooting? Because it is a fairly um, popular subcompact semi-auto. Yes. Right out there, would there be a comparable three eighty or something else? Oh, there'd be some great wall cartridge. Yeah, I think we'd still be looking at three eighty and forty, and yep. we'd still pretty much be right where we're at. Yeah, and some people would prefer the thirty eight super and some people would prefer the 40 and i would make fun of both of them and tell them to grow up and fire the 10. <laughs> now have they perfected the 10 yet i've been shooting 10 for years and never had a problem with it love that round okay 
I'll be honest with I'll be honest with you. The only problems that I've ever heard them complain about the ten was with the FBI stuff, and that was because the FBI had a bunch of desk jockeys who couldn't shoot worth a damn anyway. So, yeah. And that's dead air right there. Well, All right, I'm eating. All right, I'm done eating. So, how, do you, uh, how do you follow that statement? My statement, my, my statement was that the only real bad thing that you hear about the 10 millimeter was how accuracy trials for the FBI fell off after they tried to switch to it. The problem was is they didn't take all field agents with firearms training and say, these are all our good marksmen. These are the people that actually train with guns. They yeah. took all the desk jockeys into the account of that. And, yes, the scores throughout the bureau went down. And then they created the 10-millimeter uh, FBI load, which eventually they just turned into the 40. So the 10 is a big abusive round. dude. It's a huge round, makes the guns big in order to not fall apart. Yeah, I, I'm not. I'm not denying any of that. I'm saying there's nothing wrong with the round, though. No, there's nothing wrong with the round. But when you're talking about giving it to a bunch of people, when you start talking about these uh, guns that are frames that have multiple uh, grips or whatever, like you know, the frame is like that internal rail system, and the yeah. grip is like a you know the, really the lower, and uh, you know you can have the one frame and you can you know issue it with three different lowers, three different grip angles, but or have straps or back straps or something that change grip angles, you know, all yeah, that. But, not, but now you're adding to what he said. He said there was something wrong with the round. I defended that aspect of it. Oh, oh, oh okay. Right. So what we've established is without the nine millimeter, the FBI would be better shooters because they would be using the 10. No, no. I'm not saying that. I didn't say that at all. I just said that there was nothing wrong with the 10 and that the 10 got horrible press because of what happened with the FBI. I right. still think they would have ended up with the 40. I think if they just widely educated, you know, the troops that if you determine somebody's wearing body armor, only do headshots. You know, that's the kind of thing that I'm talking about. You know, it's not like just because nine millimeters not there, we have to stay with the same paradigm and the same timeline and you know just change the caliber out things might have been different right oh well, we could we could have a whole i mean they could have created some weird caliber that were that doesn't even exist that would have been a replacement for the nine well let's say let me put this potential uh cause of events out there so they never make the stupid nine millimeter garbage and 45 dominates, and we pretty much, you know, the 1911 dominates that. And gun culture, guns in general, just kind of stick with 1911s. The same ways that you don't see a lot of development in lever actions anymore. You know, Winchester made a bunch, Marlin made a couple, Savage made one, and then, boom, you got pretty much all your lever actions, right? Henry comes along and makes a few here and there, but there's no, like, Smith and Wesson's trying to build a better lever, or you know, so and so comes along. For the most part, levers are done. What would have happened if pistols would have happened like that? The 1911 would have just established itself as being the shit. 
and everybody would have been like, yeah, let's just make, you know, a race gun 1911 or a small 1911 or a double stack 1911. And well, so you don't, would that be a lot different? Would it be a smaller industry? We wouldn't be boring and we all just be buds. Well, I'm curious why you think striker fire would have never come around since it started world war one. Well, I don't think I'm suggesting that as much as, um, well, I guess I kind of am. I guess, yeah, the, the lack of development would have meant, like, you know, 1911 would just stay there, and I guess that is what I'm saying. So, yeah, I mean, Striker Fire was first, but if Stupid 9mm wouldn't have come along and become one of the most popular guns, you know, uh, calibers for this new Striker Fire Glock, because 1911s were just, you know, taking care of business all over the world. I but think they he, always were weak when it came to the capacity issue. How many times are you going to miss, and how many attackers are you going to have? You don't know that, and that's that. why seven rounds is 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 not necessarily going to work in the majority of circumstances. Well, okay, it's two things: it's it's capacity and it's mag changes. And with the single stack forty five mag, even though it's a wide caliber, it's not the easiest mag well to find and insert a single stack mag into. But when you start double stacking it, have you ever shot a double stack 1911 yet? Yep, I have not. So you can imagine, you know, you get a thing that's it's not quite as wide as two 45s, but, you know, they're double stacked. They're kind of staggered. So basically what it gives you is a magazine that's double stacked with a kind of a wedge top, right? That, you know, that goes up to the lips into one in the middle instead of two staggered. And then the magwell, of course, is much bigger. So now you've given yourself a couple or more rounds, maybe a round or two on a 45, depending on the grip length. But more importantly, you've given yourself a bigger magwell and a, a, a mag that has a wedge shape to it. So now mag changes are a lot easier on a double stack 45. Uh, I carry a double stack 45 in Glock right now, and it's one thing I noticed, even from my 40, it's like a big giant hole. I got a giant hole I can jam in. The follow-on question I have to what you stated, and I don't have the answer because I don't know the numbers, is because you know people come with you know small, medium, and large hands. It's because you are significantly increasing the grip size. Is are the vast majority of your whether it be agents or soldiers or whoever it is you're supplying to, going to be able to actually reach and put the their pad of their finger on the trigger. Uh, or are they are they gonna, just going to be able to barely touch it? And and I don't have the answer to that. But all I know is people come with different size hands. No, you're, that's a valid point, and I think that's probably one of the reasons nine sits around being lazy and sitting where it's sitting because it's so short. And that's why the tens and stuff definitely fail because you know the forty five is a nice spot for that because its length, overall length, I guess, isn't so wide that it. Uh, stops it from being a double stack. It can't be a double stack as much as a nine millimeter, but you know you can still double stack it and get a little bit more into the mag that Browning ever bothered with. Well, I think first off, I think striker fire still would have come around because there's still that market that wanted to get rid of the exposed hammer, so that still would have been created at some point. They might have just been metal framed. More so, we've never maybe gone to the polymer scene. Have you ever seen a, a striker fire 1911? A, a, a 1911 with no hammer? I, th I thought the striker fire was 1903. Well, no, but I mean, in the development of the 1911 at the Browning Museum, there is an example of a 1911 oh, okay. that he you know, developed and decided to pass on. 
Uh, I got a picture of it. It's kind of neat looking. Uh, well, my, my point my point was is I think the biggest thing that would have been a desire for them to want to find something adequate, and I'll you say that in quotations, and smaller, wasn't just the capacity of what's in the magazine, but I think it comes down to a logistics game with the bean counters. <clears throat> How many rounds can they ship? How many rounds can a soldier carry? How much is it going to cost them to move that product? Yeah. Well, logistics is always a question with the bean counters because that even comes to should we even change platforms at all because of the crossover training costs and so forth. So that's always an issue. It's it's never not an issue. Well, I'm just saying, I think that could have also been one of the reasons why we ended up with the nine millimeter. Was was there was there somebody in the logistics side of it who was pushing I mean, that? That's partially why police hung on to revolvers for as long as they did was the cost of, of changing over. I agree. And not just the hardware and the ammunition, uh, the training. And then older officers that probably didn't, didn't want to change. They liked their revolvers the way it was. Well, I'm just, I'm just curious, since we're, since we're talking about a situation where the nine is out of the equation, I'm wondering if they would have stayed with the 45 or if there would have been such a demand on that on the logistics side of things for a smaller caliber because of logistic reasoning that you they know, made I, something. I think there definitely would have been more playing around with what I'll call creating light loads for the 45. Uh, whether, whether that's using, a, a, instead of always going to a 230 ball, maybe going to a, a 200 grain projectile and then going to maybe a slightly lighter power load uh, for, 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 for those, for the situations that, that didn't necessarily need a 230 grain ball with full power. Um, can I just make a note here? Sorry. Uh, we've been asked for the, so that we don't offend any of the nine millimeters that we're not supposed to use the words light load. We don't. <laughs> okay. Loaded down. Reduced powder load. Are you trying to say people that use nine millimeters are light in their loafers and you can't mention that? They're lightly loaded. It's a, it's a just a fact. That's all I'm saying. Okay. Go ahead. Sorry to interrupt. I just didn't want to offend anyone. <laughs> God. I am so glad I live where I live. I don't have to worry about that shit. There is no political correctness. Trying to think what other nine millimeter stuff is out there. Would it have changed the development of pistol caliber ARs? Well, yeah, they'd all come in 10 millimeter and 45. <clears throat> Would they be 10 though? Did it 10 work in there? I mean, I mean, there's no reason that you can't use other calibers now if you actually, if there was enough of a de demand, I'm sure they could put a user 380 through an AR. Well, but yes, yeah, since we know the 10 gets developed in the 40s yeah. around, so instead of having a nine millimeter, they jump straight to the 40. Mm -hmm. It's, it's not direct impingement, it's just blowback action, yeah. but, it, but it looks like an AR. I mean, honestly, I, just by taking out the one caliber, as far as development goes, I don't see it changing a whole lot across any platform. You know, maybe some stuff gets built a little heavier, or maybe because they start with a smaller caliber, or a weaker caliber, they, you know, stuff starts off a little lighter, but I don't see it overall changing anything mechanically. Yeah, I agree. 
but okay so the development of the of the nine in germany at the time was that they felt that they were a superior race and therefore everything that they designed was superior in the world are you so sure you're not thinking world war ii i'm thinking well well it started this is pre-world war one well i'm saying well, if it was pre-World War One, but I'm talking about there still was a German rise in World War One, okay? And yes, it was carried out more efficient, more dramatically in World War Two with Hitler. But I'm saying if the Germans, who today still think they're the best engineers in the world, okay, uh, if they weren't able to create their own caliber and their own stuff what would they have created if it wasn't a, wasn't a nine millimeter so in other words even if we take the timeline and remove nine millimeter from it the germans were still going to make something so what would they have made instead of the nine millimeter correct something that they felt that they had they had to change it from the, cal the calipers we well, had before they, they had, had they didn't they have set seven six two in a bottleneck cartridge Further, um, well, I'll, I'll pull. I don't know if that that's a Toker. It's a 762 by 25. That's a Russian round, isn't it? Oh, wow. Well, the Nazis really didn't develop calibers as much as take over countries and take their calibers, right? Yeah, would I mean. I'll I'll play I'll play devil's advocate to that. Then fine. If they if they're going to create something. Who's to say they just didn't create the 38 Super or some other 38 straight wall variant and go on from there? Since we already said that if we eliminated the 9mm, that's what we'd have developed. So why couldn't have they just skipped and developed that instead of the 9? Okay, the original cartridge was 7.63 by 25 in the broom handle Mauser. So that's what, what they probably would have used other than the 9mm because oh, they see. already had it. Uh, that makes a good point. <clears throat> I think we already did this one. Have we done? We have not done this one. All right. Well, I appreciate it. I don't know how much we need to go on. Uh, I think we pretty much know that if they wouldn't have developed it, then uh, they would have just, you know, worked around it or something else. I think we've talked about it. They would have just kept going with the stuff that was there uh but where would have been a better place we can all agree on that um but if anybody in the audience what we're trying to do here is uh, uh attempt at the new media so we are trying to uh, make this a conversation with the audience we've been kind of playing around with everybody in the chats or, uh, up till now but if anybody wants to keep throwing stuff in there feel free i was gonna dig into our gun shop of the day though so one of the reasons we call it the daily gun show so that we can uh, feature a gun shop every single day and just recently been out on the road uh, driving around looking at uh, gun shops so i'm going to take a look at a shop uh, that i found oops uh, in vegas called uh, wild west guns so has anybody heard of wild west guns before they do these breakdown what do they call them uh, guide guns, so they're lever actions and high caliber. They're stainless steel, and they break apart. Right there. That looks beautiful. 
yeah, they're really, really neat. And they're big calibers, 3570 and bigger. This is in Vegas? Yeah, they're in Vegas. They started out in Alaska and for years going, ever since I've been going to SHOT Show in 2006, I think, is the first time I remember seeing them. And then every other place I've ever been, NRA show, uh, anywhere there's guns, they've, they've been there. And, uh, you know, they set up their booth and they do their thing. They're kind of unique. They make, they, I think they originally started modifying existing, what, probably Winchesters because they got side. Or no, is that, yeah, that's Winchesters on the side. But then uh, now I think they actually make their own. I don't really keep up with them, but I've always thought they were neat. And it's like I say, I see them all the time. And I just like the idea of a break apart uh, lever action. Seems awesome, right? Do you have a link to that by any chance? A link to their shop? Yeah, I can get one. Yeah. Um, so they've got, it's too cool. <laughs> yeah, and then uh, they're in Vegas, so maybe you get some kind of discount because you're you know, in Nevada. So I just went to their Instagram, and then from their Instagram, I went to their website. So there it is. We'll throw that over into the uh, gun channel chat over here. Okay. It's over in the gun channel side. Well, no, I'm giving it to you right here in the end as well. But uh, I'm just explaining to the audience that might be watching out oh, there okay. what I'm doing as I flip through screens, and then I'll put it on the on, on the YouTube side. We only use YouTube because people on YouTube would freak out if we immediately started using gun channels, but or, I mean GunTube. But uh, GunTube can uh, broadcast and uh, embed it over on gun channels, so we'll be going to GunTube soon. Uh, here's a picture on their website, though, of what I was talking about. The gun breaks down into two pieces. Just super cool. <clears throat> Anyhow, so I visited the shop. Uh, like I said, I knew they were in Alaska, and I knew they had something in Vegas, but I just assumed it was, I don't know, maybe a little storefront or something. But I uh, went in there. They have a big sign that says no pictures. Uh, I almost always ask anyway if the shop seems cool. And they said, yep, no problem. Go ahead and take pictures. That is up there so that, you know, just random people don't come in and start taking pictures but um, anyway they were more than happy to let me take some pictures so I did and it's a big place it's a tough place to take pictures of it's a, like a large building I guess a large room so I went around and took some pictures from just some different angles uh, let's see they had some interesting used stuff there like this old Colts conversion kit um, and a lot of taxidermy so uh, a couple of used guns there and this will give you some idea how big a place is, big old standalone building. Uh, I didn't get a good picture of it because I don't have a photo. I'm going to try to pull it from my dash cam. But they also have some billboards in town. And Vegas, obviously, is a tourism town. Uh, right. So seeing uh, billboards that say Wild West Guns and have a really a cool picture of uh, lever action up there. Uh, it's just cool. I like the idea of seeing billboards it's that subliminal, you know, just people realize that guns are part of our culture and it's not in your face if they don't care. I mean, or if they don't, you know, they're not into the guns, they're just seeing a billboard. Just like if you see a billboard for motorcycles or guitars and you're not interested in it, you know, you don't get offended. I think having gun billboards out there is an effective way of keeping guns in society and you know, kind of a resistance against the agenda that the big media would like to push out there, right? So anyway, I think that part was cool. But I couldn't get a picture of their board. Uh, but anyway, that was a neat shop, and I would encourage people to check it out. If you're in Vegas for, you know, in, the, in Las Vegas for any amount of time, uh, it's definitely an Uber away from the, from the Strip. But if you've got a rental, it's just a few blocks off the Strip. 
so it's definitely uh, doable if you're interested in just taking a you know vigorous walk depending on the time of year uh, it's literally walking distance if you're interested in taking an actual walk it might be a, you know a couple of three four miles but anyway like um, order online as well you know, gee, that's a gun shop that I haven't been in into Vegas yet. So I thank you for sharing that. Next time I'm in town, I'm going to have to go visit it. Right on. Yeah, you'll find it no problem. They got billboards and stuff, so they're all over the place. There's one nearby that we'll have to do a special show or a show specifically for Nevada shops with both of you guys, actually, uh, so that we can uh, kind of cover uh, some of the other shops in Nevada. This one's in Nevada, too. Guns and guitars. Guitars and guns, yeah. I got a question for you. On you were showing some lever actions before, and I thought I read somewhere that uh, until like uh, Hollywood start, started promoting it for more movie reasons, that there weren't really those big looped uh, lever actions. I can't imagine why anybody won the looped lever action really, except for maybe this size for mittens, because this one isn't huge. This is just larger for mittens or something. But the big obnoxious loop. I don't. It hurts. I don't know why people. And it doesn't work. I don't know why people want it. It's and actually the, the the guns built in the 1800s did not have those big loops. Uh, I don't well, honestly that because guys were handy and they could melt metal, so they would well, make their own loops if they wanted. Yeah, the, uh, Buffalo Bill's Wild West shout. Those were commonplace because of the trick shooters. The okay for trick shooting. The, yeah, the loops were used for spinning the guns and things like that. Okay. So I know I, I know that they were at least in use dur for, during for those shows. I don't know if like they okay. started it or anything, but and maybe that's because I can't remember exactly where I, I read this article because it was talking about you know Hollywood and 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 obviously those shows are part of what I call pre pre Hollywood, but uh, for entertainment purposes, for doing tricks and things like that, like like the Rifleman, is yeah, that right. For if anybody remembers that TV show. I do, I do remember The Rifleman. It was the only cowboy show at the time where the sheriff carried anything other than a single action. I love that show. And and actually, uh, that is what the large lever, the large loop lever action was designed for. It was designed for cowboys. 1892 Winchester was the first large loop lever action. Okay, well, you say say for cowboys, for, for, for you, you mean cowboys doing tricks or cowboys working the range? No, 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 no. Cowboys, uh, uh, premier rifle for looking out for the safety of livestock. Interesting. If you were wearing gloves, it would be important to have a large loop. Yep, because most of those guys wore heavy leather gloves. Well, maybe a larger loop like we were just looking at on, uh, on the Wild West uh, guns. Yeah. But what I'm reading here is uh, I just typed in big loop on lever guns history. I found this thing from True West magazine written mm -hmm. in 2011. And it says, uh, John starts out with the question, John Wayne used a large loop lever on his rifles in several movies and TV's riflemen used it as early as 1958. Was it ever used in real life? Uh, then there's an answer to him. Uh, and it says, <clears throat> I've never seen anything or read anything in my research on old West firearms that mentions these large loop revolvers. Guns and Western expert John, Jim Dunham concurs, saying, I know of no historical use of the expanded size rifle levers. The story I heard was that it was the idea of famed stuntman, Yakima Hannett, who suggested that John Wayne, as a big man with big hands, could handle it better. 
the Chuck Connors who played the rifleman is also a big man. Both guns were Winchester Model 1892 carbines and 4440. So mm -hmm. they're saying that it was literally a Hollywood thing. Like I don't say oh. I, I could be wrong. They made a large carbine in 1892. It's not that they took an 1892 and modified it for the movies. So I, I dispute that. Hold on. Uh, both guns were Winchester carbines, yeah. But I'm saying there's this style, where that thing go, where it's like enlarged, but then there's the one from the TV show is, is like obnoxious, right? What's that guy's name? Chuck yeah, Chuck Connors, yeah. yeah. The TV show one was, was larger. I think it dates this crowd if all of us have watched The Rifleman when you know, I'm saying his is like obnoxiously large. So I, I, I think that those are, were done back in the day for the weird stuff. But all I'm saying is when I've seen these modern, you know, ones with giant rings like this, I think it's not Henry. I think it's uh, the South American ones that make a giant loop one. I've seen them come through the shop and I've tried to open them, you know, just check them to see if they're empty. And your hand, imagine, your hand has to travel all that distance before it even engages the lever. And then you got to bring it way forward than normal. Like, it might not seem like a lot in that picture, but when it's six inches different than what you're used to on a lever gun, that's just awkward and weird. And you end up holding this, not, not like you normally, like this guy's doing with the guns in a fast or whatever, but you end up like doing it from here and it's just awkward. So I don't know why people do it other than look. Well, this That's is the TV one. This is the TV one, but I contend that this is probably more like what they made in the 1800s for people with gloves, because this is useful. This you can actually, you know, it's just a little bit larger. It doesn't conform like some of them conform to the stock. You know, it's the opposite, but it doesn't. But it's so much larger than the levers. It's also oval versus circular. Yeah, that's basically the difference. <clears throat> but the thing is, I've seen old guns where, like, looking at old guns on tables at gun shows where you can tell somebody just added metal to it and made it bigger. And that was, you know, from the old guys telling me, that was, like, the style of the time or something. They did it back in the day. So in the lever action, they make two different actions. One is sort of a half-cock action, so you're, you're only traveling a little bit, and it does it. And one is a full-cock action have to go all the way forward and back in order to do it but they make one that's only halfway you only have to go halfway and it loads the bullet to it i, I cannot unsee that picture of that baby you put up there that's not a baby that could be insulting that's just a nine millimeter shooter Look at it. It has full hands. That's not a baby. It has a neck and everything. It's just an unhappy 9mm shooter. Looks like a fetus or something. <laughs> hey, we're not here to judge 9mm shooters, Dano. We're here to <laughs> have a conversation. <laughs> All right, so we've talked about a gun shop of the day. Uh, he says that after he used me and abused me. <laughs> hey, I want to tell you, that was a cool gun shop moment, though. I think that was that was... The king of the night was that uh, thing to that gun shop. I think that really made the, uh, the the learning curve of the evening well worth it. Yeah. 
Sure can't tell he doesn't need Dano anymore. <laughs> All right. So, well, actually, we should talk off air because we're trying to bring the tactical quiz back here at some point. <clears throat> $625 worth of stuff at gun shows. And uh, I'll be sending that stuff out to Patreons randomly, but I'd also like to get the technical quiz going, send some of that stuff out as uh, thank yous to people that participate in the live show as well. So um, well, we'll continue to burn candles from both ends, and I figured out a way to add a third end to the candle. You whittle some out of the middle and light the wick right in the middle there. So uh, you can get it burning three ways. We'll continue to do stuff like that. So thanks for sticking with us, people that are interested in it, people that are supporting the show. And those six people out there that decided to thumb it down, uh, that's awesome. Because really what that does is when people see this show and all the other shows that are out there and they see, oh, there's 13 thumbs up. So they don't know that 24 people were watching and that you know, a good 12 people or something were stealing the show. But they see that 13 people thumbed it up and then they go, six people thumbed it down. Six different people thumbed that down. So what I'm going to do is go watch that show because I can't wait to figure out what's so controversial about what they said in there. So thanks for the people that thumb it down, all six of you. That really does uh, help out our viewership. Our, we've noticed our views go up now that, that we've had those people out there, that team of people that don't like the show. And uh, thanks to the people, well, 13 of you at least, that thumbed it up. So uh, with that, we'll say thanks to you guys. I know that most... Uh, <laughs> Dog's got uh, the book he just did. Ellis just showed. You got anything else going on to the book? Uh, nothing too much right now. Uh, people want to check out the book for themselves or are looking to have a conversation about dog stuff. They can always go over to uh, MuscleDogMafia.com, and uh, it's completely free for them to use over there. And if after they come there, they can click the link at the top of the page and go and join gun channels while they're at it. Right on. And you should do more of those things because that's how, from what I understand, that's how the word gets out there and book it so make much money. Another dog gets more chains. <laughs> always need more chain, always need more dog. Ted, you got anything going on? Do anything? Hostile? No, I'm still a non existent person. So right on. I'll Thanks for coming. Maybe right no, about two more weeks, I, I'll, I'll become an existent person. Well, right on. Thanks for jumping in. Interesting to have your input into the show. And well, it's always fun. You guys are great. We got a uh, cycle again. Thanks for sticking up so being up so late. It's got to be pretty late for you out there. And it sounds like we're about to, you guys are saying we're about to switch time things or whatever it's called. Uh, this weekend. Uh, Saturday into Sunday, I think, right? So then, you know, I don't change. So for me, it's I got to figure it out. So I don't know if that means I'm going to be flipping to where it's earlier for you guys. Well, I guess it's always the same for you guys. If it's at midnight Eastern, it's at midnight Eastern. For me, it's going to be 9 to 10. And I don't remember if it's flipping. I guess it's flipping from 9 to 10. So it'll be an hour later. We turn, no, it'll be an hour earlier. I, and we turn the clocks back. We fall back. back. Yeah. Well, okay, but I'm still saying, like, the show is always at midnight. So I guess to you, it's still going to be on late, no matter what. For me, it's an hour later, so I don't know if I like that or not. But anyway, it is what it is. So, uh, again, uh, Cycle, I appreciate you sticking up for it and putting your input into it. And, uh, again, we're planning on having a 20-minute show. Well, I guess I didn't thank Dano, so I guess I have to thank Dano also. 
Yeah, uh, and as I said at the beginning of the show, Mr. Nine Millimeter. You should get that vest you're talking about getting, but on the back, have it in like embroidered or whatever with like Mr. Nine Millimeter. Mr. Nine Millimeter. People are gonna be like, Mister, like I need a nine millimeter socket for this water pump. You'll be like, wrong, miss, wrong kind of nine millimeter, buddy. Actually, ten is more common. Actually, yeah, I I can do my whole front of my van. I think with like thirteen and ten. And most that's true. So uh, anyhow, uh, thank everybody for sticking around, and we will be back. Uh, oh, I was guess I was saying that we're going to eventually have the earlier shows, so stay tuned for those. These we'll follow up with them. And uh, if you want to join the panel, be part of the show, head over to Gun Channels, a community uh, built to foster collaboration and encourage people to participate in Second Amendment content creation from the ground up.